0: Hello, and welcome to the Pac Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the most Bree Brie James.
1: Welcome to the PacMag Parents podcast, I'm Brie James and on today's episode I'm going to chat to Alison Davies all the way from Tasmania. Now she's a registered music therapist of 16 years. Now she works within the neurodiversity framework that favours deep acceptance and regulation over assimilation and intervention and she shares her lived experience of autism openly within her workshops and seminars, the conferences as part of her emotive storytelling mixed with a science approach to education. So today, Alison joins us on the show to chat about the power of sound and voice and how we can harness this energy to take care of our brains and well-being. So let's get her on Zoom to have a chat. It's time to get to class. So tell me, Alison, what effect do thoughts, words and music have on our bodies?
0: Well, this is a really complex question. This, this, uh, this question could go on for an hour. This answer. There are so many. Um, there are so many different and complex ways that our thoughts, our words, and our sound and our voice impact our body. Let's just talk for one moment about sound or using our voice. Uh, when okay. So when our brain hears our voice, our brain knows our own voice really well. You know when you call Colt. Cold call someone and you don't know what they're going to sound like, and it's always a bit nervous. And you're like, you hear their voice, and you're like, oh, that's strange, or that's not what I expected them to sound like. Or there's always, there's often a bit of tension. It's like your brain doesn't know that voice, but your brain knows your voice really, really well. So when your brain hears, or when your ears hear your voice and send that message to your brain, and your brain's like, oh, that's our voice, we're safe. I know this voice, I'm home, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Um, So actually using our voice out loud sends a signal to our brain that we are safe and that our brain is in control because this is us. This is our voice. We know this voice really well. Um, So for one, using our voice out loud can be a really incredible way of supporting ourselves to feel safe. Um, and coming out of survival mode which is what underpins anxiety and and a lot of and fear and a lot of the things that we find we really struggle with in our modern western culture and then when we sing we are also doing breathing we are like you, when you sing out you literally cannot breathe in as you're singing out so when you sing a phrase or a sentence It's like it's a complete out breath and then you breathe in and you sing out and you breathe in and you sing out. So it doesn't matter what you're singing. It can be a nursery rhyme, a Christmas carol, a pop song. You could just be la, la, la. You know, it doesn't matter what the words are or what you're singing. But by default, using our voice in that way um, is controlled breathing. And so singing out loud with our children especially is such a powerful way of them experiencing controlled breathing, um, which you know, in terms of what impact this has on our cells and our body, you know, when the longer or the more controlled our breath is, the more potential there is for our blood to become oxygenated. So it impacts our all our organs, our skin, our teeth, our hair, our mood, our brain, um, and you know, rather than have to teach kids how to breathe or this is how we do it we just sing it just does it automatically when we the research shows us that when we experience music and so experiencing music means either uh making it listening to it or even thinking about it so even when we've just got a song in our head and we're thinking about it when we do any of those things more of our brain becomes active all at the same time than it does when we experience any other thing wow. wow anything anything that's been recent anything that science can prove to us so just so making music listening to music or even thinking about music it just it leads to this whole brain response where there's just so many different parts of the brain active and You know, I tend to feel, I have this sort of analogy or or picture that I I think of in my head around music. And I tend to think of music as sort of like an umbrella term for for a whole bunch of musical elements that all come together to make up what we think of as music. So that includes melody, rhythm, harmony, tempo, volume, frequency, vibration, even, you know, silence, we literally cannot have rhythm without silence like we can't we can't without silence music really doesn't really exist in the way we think of music existing so you know there are parts there are musical elements like silence for example that we never talk about we never teach people about and they kind of get forgotten about but they're super important and so our brain responds to all of these music-based elements in different ways And that's why when we experience music, we have such a full brain response, so many different things are happening. Um, And that allows our brain to integrate, process, make sense of, do its job, um, organize the sensory information and um, do the executive functioning and tell our body how to move and all of the things that help us feel safe and in control and make us feel good.
1: It's so interesting because you say music, you know, can change, like it's one of the most important things that we can be listening to. But what about all of this, you know, music that's actually quite negative? What are your thoughts around that? Because I've done a little bit of like reading on it. It actually, it kind of freaked me out a little bit about the subliminal messages and even the key that some music's in uh, can actually impact our moods a lot.
0: Yeah. I'm not an expert in terms of that topic per se however um without going into the like you know there's definitely areas where we need to uh we need to really instinctively tap into music that we feel is going to therapeutically benefit us because there absolutely is music that can just take us down lower especially if we are already in a in a place where we're feeling low or disempowered or unwell um and music can can keep us in that place or can take us to places that aren't going to benefit us. Um, So, you know, whenever I'm working with people about and, and, but I, in saying that, I think it's really important to honor our um, individual musical identities. So for people who do love like, heavy dark kind of metal rock that you know might have themes in it and you know even like hip-hop with gangs and guns and there are there are themes in lyrics as well um that can be inappropriate and concerning for some people I just think it's really important to honor our independent our own unique musical profile or musical identity but within that be able to really instinctively know what to stay away from or what to not listen to for three hours on repeat um, and, and understand how music's going to make us feel. And that's probably a really good compass for then knowing what to choose and what to listen to.
1: Yeah, because it, it is so important what we feed into our brains and our minds. Um, so how can we harness then the power of sound to take
0: care of our brains and our well-being Well, there's a bit of a misconception in the world that specific genres. So, for example, the idea of relaxation music, it kind of annoys me (laughs) because there's this idea in the world that this one style of music is relaxation music. So it might be zen whale music and, you know, chimes. And I love that kind of music myself. I don't have anything against it. But I don't love the idea of it being called relaxation music because for some people who are in a space where they're already regulated, or they're not, they don't experience trauma and they can let themselves go in that way with that music as a foundational sort of accompaniment for the body just to release and to relax. Um, you know, for that kind of demographic, the idea of that style of music as a tool for relaxation makes sense. But for a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people are... Um, hyper stimulated, hyperactive, you know, also like depending on someone's neurotype. So if someone is neurodivergent or an ADHD or sort of like um someone who needs faster, needs more, needs more intense because that matches who they are and where they're at, then sometimes that idea of the zen relaxation music is just going to not work for them but also be really annoying because it doesn't validate what they need to chill out and zone out and to get in the relaxation zone they might need something fast and it might need to be pumpy and beaty. and um so when we look at what music can allow us to have that hypnotic feeling where we just kind of zone out the, the thing that we're looking for with relaxation music it's it really is about tapping into the playlists or the songs or the artists that we know will make us feel a particular way on any particular day because like what's relaxation and healing one day might not work for us the next week so I try to have a really fluid approach with music and I have different playlists that I might go to and I'm like oh you know that's not doing it for me today and then I'll listen to something else and I'm like yeah that's that's actually really supporting me to feel regulated in this moment and so but it's always like a I never it's not like a, a one playlist fits all and it's not like the one artist or the one style of music will work for me each time it, it kind of changes based on who you are
1: yeah and the mood that you're in at There's the no time yeah. So music or sound therapy may be foreign to many people listening right now. I only discovered um, sound therapy in Bali a few years ago. Um, but from your experience, how life changing has it been uh, for those that you've worked with? And can you ha- explain a little bit more about how it helps people of all ages self-regulate?
0: Yeah. So I um, so for 16 years, I was a registered music therapist in Australia and um, And so music therapy is the use of music um, to attain and maintain health and well-being. So it's an allied health profession. It's all around the world. Um, And it's quite common. And a lot of people access music therapy. Um, So music therapists use it's not about the music. So there's sometimes there's this idea that music therapists are like musicians and we just sit around singing songs with people. But, you know, music is our tool. And we have a, a a level of experience and expertise in in our music, like in singing and playing guitar, and all the, the or the way that we are sort of using our music. However, what music therapy is about is therapy, so it's all about um, well being um, and music. The relationship between music and the brain is just off the Richter scale, like it's. It's so high and so strong that when we use music as a tool for therapeutic um, impact, we experience psychological changes, emotional, mental, physical, behavioural, communicative, social. Like, you know, there's some things in life, for example, if you go to a physiotherapist, it's going to be a physical outcome and there are certain, you know, there are certain tools and things we use for just this one outcome. Music, you know, you can use it for physical outcomes but you can also use it to impact sleep quality like there's so many different ways that music will impact us it's such a holistic and non-invasive way of of working with someone so I've worked with um, uh, across my years as a music therapist I worked with babies and um, young children I did a lot of work Um, I worked in juvenile detention for a few years with teenagers Um, I've done a lot of work in mental health and um, aged care and dementia care and palliative care. So um, playing music for people and singing with people and for people in their last um, days and months of their life. Um, So the way I work as a music therapist with all of those people in all those different ways is completely different every time. Um, But in almost all cases, across the board, People who allow music in to be used as a tool for well-being, or just like enjoyment, or a meaningful experience, um, it was just a whole career full of success. You know, because the outcome is never the that the outcome is never the goal. It's just the experience of being with someone and having music together that that always allowed people to feel something meaningful and to have an experience that felt good um yeah so music therapy is a very very powerful allied health um, avenue
1: because i've read
0: it's like uh, a massage for your cells. totally like music is you know sound is vibration so if you think if we think back to like our grade eight science textbook and we see the little wave um that goes up and down up and down up and down and that's the sound wave you know that is what we are creating anytime we speak anytime we sing we make sound anytime we make sound whether it's instruments or with our own body we are creating these little sound waves and we're all cells we're all just vibrating atoms Um, and you know we are two-thirds liquid really in terms of our body so when you when you look at what happens with sound waves and vibrations and how that impacts water and we can do that experiment ourselves I do that often I've got singing bowls I fill my singing bowl up two thirds with water and then just play the singing bowl and the water just starts to spiral and spiral and spit and it goes everywhere. And so it's a that's a really simple experiment we can do to have an actual visual of what's going on inside our bodies when we experience sound. It's very profound.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. The sound healings that I've had of, you know, it just changes everything in your whole state. You can be totally wiped out and zonked. You kind of walk out but the next you have really um, amazing dreams that night and the next day you
0: just feel amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. And now that I, I used to do a lot of what I call musical massages many years ago, sort of 15 years ago. Um, and now I've recently um, left the music therapy industry. So I'm no, I'm no longer working as a registered music therapist, but I'm, I'm delving back into my sound, sound therapy work and my singing bowls and chanting and, and using it in less of a sort of medical model, but more of a very holistic and um, like what you're saying about just feeling like this is completely hypnotized and zen, and uh, that, that feeling that you have the next day is just so light. It's just so reinvigorated. And um, yeah, it's very, very cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very profound. Because as an autistic person, how much has music therapy helped you?
0: Well, music has been like one of the hugest I think music has been the way I have gotten through life, to be honest. So as a child, I didn't realize I was autistic until I was in my thirties. Um, but as a child, I used to count a lot in threes inside my head. Um, and I used to experience a lot of confusion and a lot of, you know, like it, it was hard, making eye contact's hard and doing things are hard and wearing clothes is hard and listening is hard and all sitting still is hard and all of those things are hard. And so constantly in my body I've got this, I used to feel this vibration in my body and sometimes I used to see it, it was like red and it felt like anger and it was just this like this angry vibration inside my body. Um, No one externally would have seen that I was struggling or was anxious or knew that I was autistic, but this was all happening internally. And I uh, didn't have words to discuss that with people. Like I just assumed this is what it's like for all people. So what I found as a child is that music helped stop those things. And I used to think as a very young child, I used to think that music was actually keeping me alive. And it was very... um, sometimes I'd think about that and be like wow like it felt like oxygen like do is this the same for everyone like is music actually keeping us alive because when I would hear music I wouldn't be counting in threes so in my head it was just constantly like one two three, one two three, one two three, one two three, or you know this constant like very highly stimulated, dysregulated stuff going on, like where I couldn't stop and I couldn't just relax. But having music gave context to that. And so if I'm listening to music, which is in three, you know, rhythms in threes or fours, I wasn't counting. And if I was listening to pop music and it had a beat and a rhythm, I found that I wasn't needing to stim, like to move my hands. I used to clench my hands together anyway so that I wouldn't shake them. Um, But when I listened to music, I never felt like I needed to do that stuff. So I felt very much like music was keeping me alive. And that was a very childlike thought. I never gave it any actual thought, but then, you know, or those years later, I became a music therapist and I learned about what that means. And I was like, oh, you know what? It actually, I mean, it might not necessarily have been keeping me alive, but it absolutely was providing the sensory input that my body and brain needed to feel safe and regulated and to be able then to learn and engage in the classroom and, and, um, you know, achieve all the things I did in a very mainstream environment, which is typically very difficult for autistic people. So, yeah, it had a huge impact. And made you come alive, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And then it was really difficult once I, once I was pregnant. I, with my first pregnancy, I was just so sick. I was just constantly sick. I couldn't sing and I couldn't play the saxophone, which was my other sort of main, main form of music, because like I, I could literally not open my mouth. I was just I was always sick. So I went for like nine months there without my music, which was really a shock to the system because I'd, I'd always been just engaged in music experiences every day and then when my when my daughter was born who's also autistic she really screamed a lot um, and it was hard and she never slept and so there was no real space or capacity for me there either to just get into music like get my saxophone out or play or sing because it was a constant you know relationship with her where we were just trying to work out how to, how to make this easy for us both. And so there were, you know, there was a long time there where there was no music and I went from being really regulated and I felt quite in control of myself and who I was. And then I went to literally not being able to, like sometimes I was nonverbal. I was counting again. I couldn't complete tasks if there was more than one step Uh, And, you know, that got put down immediately to postnatal depression, even though I definitely didn't feel depressed. I just was doing all these things that we now know are very like um, uh, characteristic of of autism and ADHD. Mm. So not having the music. So going from having music as a tool that supported me to thrive um, and then going to not having any of that Plus, having all these extra sensory demands of a screaming baby and no sleep and all of that, um, you know, it really like it. Things changed me really quick. I went, I went downhill, so to speak, really quickly.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because I've been a musician for most of my life. We were talking about that before the podcast, and when my husband and I aren't doing gigs and things like that we start to have little bickery fights and, you know, we it's such a, a big part of our life and our reg, self-regulation uh, to use our voices and to sing um, and you just don't realise until that music's gone. Uh, um, but it can be really simple just to put the music on in the house and have a sing around the house or, you know, dance around or, and it can just change your state or your children's state so rapidly.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, music can be so simple. And it doesn't have to be. And this is something else. I'm actually researching this right now. I think it's really important for people to, to understand that everyone is musical. To be human is to be musical. Because of the relationship between music and our brain, I think of our brain as a musical organ. So the textbooks and the science out there probably won't say it like that. But to me, I really do feel like the brain is a musical organ. And so we're all musical beings. And... A lot of people have a very difficult relationship with their sense of musicality. They either feel like they can't sing in tune or they're not good enough or, you know, the ones we call musical are typically the ones whose parents could afford piano lessons for them as a kid or who are physically able to play a guitar or have the emotional confidence to sing with a microphone in front of the school assembly. You know, there's all of these, um, there's all these factors that come in. Uh, when we're considering the type of people we call musical and they're not really a reflection on musicality um, as such, you know. What even is singing out of tune unless you're singing someone else's song? Like who made up, who says that there is an in tune and out of tune? The, the modern Western scale, which is very young, it's a colonial thing. So, you know, for, for the whole of human history, people have been singing out of tune (laughs) um so there's no so we get we're very right now we're people who are very caught up in a sense of like i'm not good enough with music or i can't do it i can't sing things like that and a lot of people carry a lot of shame and i want to help remind people that you know you don't have to play the saxophone or sing or be able to read music to be able to experience music and that it really is just a matter of shedding the layers of shame, understanding how we as humans are musical and then just step-by-step creating relationship with our voice and feeling confident to use it out loud or feeling confident to make up a song no matter whether how the rhythm is or how the melody goes or whether it's in tune or, you know, we don't have to sound like Lady Gaga. And I do believe that we are all every bit as musical as Lady Gaga. You know, we're just, we are musical, like it's inherent in us. So I just think the more we are able to let go of these restrictions that tell us that we can't do music because we're not musical enough, I think that will really impact our culture or our society's um, sense of self and ability to express ourselves creatively. And I think that will impact our anxiety levels and I think it will have a really big, Uh, You know, my hope is that if people start expressing themselves musically without feeling like they can't do it and that they shouldn't be doing it, then it will really impact our anxiety levels. And I think it's going to be hopefully that's a really important thing.
1: There is a lot more data coming out about sound therapy and how incredible it is for our mind, body, soul, everything. Um, Anyone listening right now that has an interest in harnessing the power of sound, have you got any ideas of things they can try or regular things they can do or practice Some resources they could use because like you said we are all musical uh you know it's just us getting the confidence i guess and realizing that even humming uh is musical and using sound and humming's you know been proven to be really amazing for your body
0: humming is really incredible for your body and you know two generations ago like our grandparents generation they used to hum and whistle all the time and you know that doesn't happen anymore and people used to dance and now if someone dances in public like someone takes a video of them and puts it on YouTube and everyone laughs like they're a strange weirdo, you know, it's, it's so interesting how we've become so conservative in how we will express ourselves. One of the things, um, one of the things I like to do is called what I call melodic mantras. And I think this is simple Um, And I think this is a really empowering um, strategy and, and something that anyone can do. So if you think of any sort of affirmational mantra, it's just, you know, a very short, concise phrase or sentence, or even a word that is something that you need to hear so that you can really embody the truth of it. And so with a melodic mantra, we just have whatever that phrase might be. Let's just say, let's, it might be, I am strong. And then, to instead of reading it or writing it down and looking at it, we're singing it. And the melody can be anything, but what what we know about melody is that the brain feels more in more control and safer when the melody is simple. So instead of making a big, fancy melody, we just keep it simple like nursery rhyme style. So it might just be, I am strong, I am strong, I am strong. And we just sing it over and over. So repetition is incredible for allowing our brain to sense a, well, a sense of predictability and that helps us feel um, safe and in control. Um, The melody, it activates our limbic system. So melody and the limbic system are really closely entwined and the limbic system is all in charge of emotions So melody makes us feel things. So just by adding the melody to our mantra or our affirmation there, what's happening is the body is now, the body is now by default, just because we've got a little bit of melody in there, it is now moving emotion through it. Which is important because usually we, we, as adults, pent emotion up inside us. Children are really good at just constantly letting it move through, and that's why they're always crying and yelling and saying no. We just like hold it all in. So even just adding a little bit of melody to your affirmation or your mantra is is moving emotion through you, um, and it our body entrains with the rhythm. So if we're singing, I am strong i am strong it's pretty slow and our heart rate our respiratory rate our our motor cortex the part of our brain in charge of like telling our body how to move will tell our body to slow down and we will find ourselves in training to this slower more regulated rhythm um you know there's no right or wrong with melodic mantras you can come up with any affirmation or mantra or sentence or phrase and you can use any melody and the key is just to sing it out loud so that your own ears can hear your own voice um and just to do it over and over because the repetition is really important and you will have like so many therapeutic benefits from just doing something that simple i love it any other Things to
1: try. I love the melodic, uh, the melodic uh, mantras. That sounds amazing. Adding that to my uh, my morning ritual.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a really good one. I used to try and do it daily. Now I try and just do it whenever I think of it. Yep. Um, I find that it comes. People, in-
1: that, uh, sorry, just to interrupt there because you did say even if you think of music, so even if you don't want to sing it out loud, you can sing it in your head as well, and it would still have the same impact, really.
0: Yeah, and I think that's also the benefit of earworms. So like a song that's just stuck in your head that's just going over and over um last year at the beginning of the pandemic I sang this song called every little cell on Facebook and it was like within hours there was millions of people I don't I hadn't even probably gotten dressed that day I really expected maybe 20 people to see it and millions of people saw it Um, and I've had hundreds or maybe thousands of emails from people saying that that song got stuck in their head and so I've been able to tell people that you know it's not necessarily a bad thing our ego doesn't like it and we're like oh I've got to get this song out of my head it's so annoying but in terms of physiologically what's happening is there's this repetition and our brain is using that as a as a form of sensory input the repetition and the the predictability of it Um, And, you know, kids songs. So Every Little Cell was sort of a bit of a kid's song. Um, But any simple songs like um, nursery rhyme style songs, lullaby style songs, anything that's simple and short and repetitive, um, even just thinking about them in our head is is incredible. And another thing is if you want to self-soothe, when you do sing out loud, singing to yourself in lullaby voice can be really powerful, you know, Lullaby voice is our our pitch is a little bit heightened. It's a bit more whispery. We slow down. Um, That dialect is called parentese. It used to be called motherese. Uh, It's now called parentese. And there's a lot of research about parentese. We instinctively speak like that to nude babies and cute kittens and puppies. You know, we'll like hold them and we're like, hello darling you know that voice that's lullaby voice and we do that because our brain likes it it feels safe it makes us feel safe it soothes us that's why we speak to babies like that because we know it's going to help our baby feel loved safe and connected which is how a baby's brain grows when it experiences those things so singing to ourselves in lullaby voice is really really empowering as well and i think doing that out loud so that we can hear that soft soothing tone of ours is um a really special thing to do as well so that
1: that high-pitched silly voice that we do is you know scientifically proven to help that's why we do it i've always wondered why all of a sudden you see a baby
0: oh hello baby (laughs) it is so much you know even babies do it to babies like toddlers and little ones will see another baby and they'll go hello you know and it happens <laughs> in every culture of the world a sort of western thing um it's just a human thing we all do it
1: oh wow um any any other tips or advice for people listening right now um in regards to sound
0: oh i just i just want to acknowledge that it can be hard to use your voice when you are someone who's always had self-limiting beliefs around your sense of music, your musicality. And so I don't think, uh, you know, it's one thing to go, we're all musical, but it's another thing to really believe that about ourselves and singing out loud for the first time can be very, very frightening. And I don't want to minimize that. So when I sang Every Little Cell and, and people saw, saw this video. You're going to have of- to sing it for
1: us, by the way.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> but. First, so hundreds of people emailed me to say I love this song because there was this thing on Instagram happening where people were going hashtag every little cell and singing it and singing it in heaps of different languages. People were messaging me saying I love this song but I could never sing it to my children because A, I don't want them to learn how to sing badly and B, I I'm too I would be too scared to or too embarrassed to. So people are people are embarrassed to sing in front of their own children and fearful of their children learning to sing out of tune because they believe that they can't sing in tune. So it runs deep. The shame, this the social construct of this idea of someone not being musical, um, which is nothing but a social construct. It's not real. But the shame and add to that the suppression of our voices and especially women and being quieted down and shush shushed and not allowed to speak, all of these layers of that we have of probably trauma connected to our voice makes it very difficult for us to express ourselves musically. So I just wanna I just want to say that it's it's not an easy thing for everyone. For some people singing out loud even to your own children can be very, very difficult. But it doesn't mean you can't do it. It doesn't mean you are not musical. That's the world that has told you that. It's not the truth.
1: And like you said, who, who decides what's in key and what's not? And I think it's actually more fun sometimes to sing really, really out of tune and make it fun, um, just as long as you're having fun with it and, you know, just doing it. I think it's just it's better than nothing.
0: Absolutely. Yep, I agree.
1: Last thing I want to ask you is about your Brain Care Cafe. How can people get involved and can you tell us a little bit more about it?
0: Um, The Brain Care Cafe is an online membership I have. Um, Each weekend I upload a video um, that is a brain care strategy. So all of our brain care strategies are music based. So this month we're focusing on vagal tone or activating the vagus nerve and so we're doing a lot of things that allow our throat to move. So gargling and toning and and singing accenting words so that our throat moves so that we are able to experience um uh, so that our body can relax and unwind and untense the muscles so that we can have some sort of relief from anxiety um some months we're focusing on slowing down so we are really focusing on what music we listen to and pulling back and um There's a whole bunch you know we've got about 200 music-based brain care strategies in the cafe (laughs) um, at the moment and we just keep adding to it every week so we really what we're doing in there is supporting our brain to function at its best by using very very simple music-based strategies and that's what the brain care cafe is all about we have song sharing circles in there as well once a month we come together and do our melodic mantras over zoom (laughs) Um, And share our melodic mantras with each other. And that's a really beautiful circle. Um, Yeah. And it's an online membership. So you can, if you look up the Brain Care Cafe on Facebook, or if you just go to my website, which is alisondavies.com.au, you will find a lot more information about it there. Um, And if if it's not taking new members, when you go and check it out, you can jump on the wait list and we will email you when we, we are taking new members and yeah. Sounds amazing.
1: Check it out. Well, thank you so much, Alison, for being on the show today. Uh, the power of sound and voice, it's uh, life-changing. So if we've inspired you, definitely go check out Alison's uh, website and um, or just look online. There's so much that you can check out as well, just with amazing sound therapy, free ones, and all sorts of things out there as well. Just read up on it, learn about it, bring more music into your home, hum more, sing more, just make lots of noise, get the pots and pans out, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just, just do anything. Uh, but thank you so much for being on the show. Remember, any important links can be found in the show notes. But a big thank you uh, to Alison for being on the show today. But until next time, happy parenting. And don't forget to tell everyone you heard it on Pack Bag.